0: Director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and I would like to begin here today by calling in the Helping Spirits to be with us. So I call out first to your ancestors and to mine. I call out to those people who met the challenges of their time in a good way. Those who bring all that is good and true and beautiful in our ancestral lines to us as a rich legacy of human experience, of human wisdom, of human courage, and humanity's capacity to learn from life. And to bring those teachings forward in a way that make life easier and more bountiful for the next generation. So I call out to these ancestors to be with us. Even those ancestors that may in their own life have really struggled. But in that struggle, they came to know or understand something that can guide us in our own time. So I call out to those ancestors who simply met the challenges of their time and learned from it. Learned how to be better people. I ask them to be with us here today to help us to be better people as well so that we can truly rise to the challenges of our time, to know when to stand true, true tradition, to those things which have always been beneficial to humanity and when to actually innovate and change to open our minds, to open our hearts and do something different so that we can be here in a way that is truly good for all living things. And I call out to those ancestors that were here before our human ancestors. I call out to those ancestors to help us to feel the resonance of our own true nature, to understand our place as part of this great oneness with nature and to begin to participate in a way that we understand ourselves to be truly the little brothers and the little sisters, to these energies that are all around us that carry great, great wisdom in how to live in a a way that is sustaining, in a way that is peaceful, in a way that is in harmony and balance. And so we ask all of these helping spirits to come with, uh, to be with us here today and to support us in our efforts. And as the helping spirits gather round, let us gather ourselves, drawing ourselves from wherever we might be into our head, from our heads to our hearts, and our hearts down into our bellies. And let's take a moment and clear our mind of distraction and touch the earth, reaching deep down into the earth and giving gratitude for this day. Give thanks for your life, no matter what the day holds for you. Give thanks for this opportunity to engage the day, to learn, to grow, to love, and perhaps to discover something you didn't know yesterday. And as we touch the earth, we give thanks. We give thanks for abundance, we give thanks for beauty we give thanks for the great diversity all around us and ultimately just a moment of pure awe for the miracle of life itself and with this great gratitude in our in our hearts let us send our energy down all the way down to the very center of the earth deep deep down into the center of the earth and anchor ourselves firmly there let us connect down to the center of the earth and take a moment to tune into this energy that has a richness all of its own, that is, this this pure potential before it takes form and moves into action in the world. This place of darkness and silence and stillness. This place of deep, deep restorative peace. And as we connect into this energy, let it refresh and renew our soul, just like water does on a hot and tired day. So as we draw this earth energy up, giving great gratitude for this blessing we draw up into our lives all the wisdom of manifestation how to be here in form on this earth in a good way and we give gratitude for this wisdom we draw up into ourselves nourishment and replenishment restoration rejuvenation refreshment we draw these energies up into ourselves and we ask ourselves to learn from the earth and understand how to root and ground ourselves to know where we stand in life and what we stand for and with this earth energy to build a sense of home for ourselves a sense of belonging and to do so in a way that is not made simplistic by the fact that we simply gather around us people who think the way that we do and look the way that we look but that we do this in a way that opens our home opens our table To those who are other than we are. Those who look different. Those who think differently. And in inviting in this guest. We provoke ourselves into truly becoming the men or women that we have come here to be. And so we call out to the energy of the earth to help us to truly understand what it means to be connected to our true self. Our authentic self. What does it mean to be connected to our environment. To truly connect to the people around us. To connect to the spirit world, all of this understanding of connection, may we draw this from the earth until we truly get a sense of what it means to be one with all things, to be part of this great web of life, and to take our sense of right relationship with ourselves from this understanding, and from that to build the relationships that we have with others, with our environment, and with the spirit world. And so with the earth energy rising up, into us, into our bodies, into our bellies, our hearts and our minds, to send that silvery energy up and out the top of our head, out through the sky and whatever weather it holds for you. Hopefully for you, it's a whole lot warmer where you are than where I am. But anyway, up through the top of your uh, head, uh, air, atmosphere, out into the cosmos, all the way up to the highest power of the universe. And by whatever name you know this energy, name it know it, know yourself in it, and it in you, and begin to draw this energy down, drawing down into yourself and into your day, and into our proceedings, drawing down this true essence energy of blessings. We draw the innate blessing in life down into yourself, into our day. We draw in protection and devotion and commitment. We draw down inspiration and illumination. We draw these energies in that we might feel the benevolence of our universe, that we might open up to the wisdom of the cosmos and feel the beneficence that is inherent in all these things. And We draw these energies in, into our head and our heart and our belly and send it all the way down to the center of the earth. And in this way, we make a connection between earth and sky, between yin and yang, and we allow these two great ancient ancient, legendary lovers to come together within us and we let our human form be the place, the home of this big love. And we ask that big love to awaken the true potential in our human heart, to awaken our heart, to be the crucible of transformation that it is. And we draw up the fiery passions deep in the belly that hold this 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 great longing for why we are here. And we draw this energy up into the heart and we draw down the crystal clarity of the mind. We draw these energies in, let them dance here in the heart, Until this dynamic tension of that dance gives rise to this third most sacred thing, which is a dawning understanding or feeling or knowing of why we are here. And may you find in that beautiful human heart of yours the courage that you need to do something in this day, large or small, to bring your unique gifts out into the world. And for the assistance that we receive in that from the spirit world, we are eternally grateful. But what needs to be said, be said here today. And what needs to be heard, be heard. And may these proceedings unfold in a way that is good for all living things. So I would like to give special thanks to these living things in human form for their generosity. To John and Melissa and Malama, to Anne and Mary and Julie, Derek, Jose, Yuli, Stephen and Laura and all of the listeners who have been able to donate financially to the show. It is with your donations, large and small, that we are able to keep the show live and on the air and running with new shows each week. And we have been doing so since January of 2009. And I give great gratitude that over these last few years, the show has actually been supported by its listeners. And um, I am deeply grateful for your support. If this show moves you in any way, if it moves you in the heart, whether it is to a good place or to a frustrated, um, struggling, um, angst place, you've been moved in the heart. And I ask you to follow that movement to do this most fundamental of shamanic things and allow those things that move your heart to motivate your action in the world. So please do something large or small to help the show to grow, to help it reach more people, to um, engage with the work in your life to bring it to other people in your life if you share shamanism with other people, to share it with your children, to challenge yourself to do some of these things and see what happens. I mean, it is often those things that irritate us the most that are the things we most need to go do. And let me know how it goes. Let me know how things change or don't change. What are the stumbling blocks? What are the frustrations? Send your questions and your show ideas to me, which also helps the show to grow. There's so many, many ways that we do this together to keep the show alive and free for people all over the world to listen, but also to keep it vital and relevant so that it really is about the practicality of applying shamanic life and shamanic skills to our contemporary lives. And for your assistance in this, I am grateful. I could not, I would not do it without you. So so for those of you that haven't found it yet, there is a show website as well as a show Facebook page. The show site is whyshamanismnow.com. All of the shows are available there in the archives. There's a lot of shows now. We probably have to step up the search function, but... That will be a project for later, project when there's some extra donations perhaps. But as it is now, you can get all the shows there at the site as well as on iTunes and co Network.com. And um, you can also donate there. At the, um, by pushing the support button, you can donate any amount, large or small, and all of it goes directly to keeping the show on the air. So I give great gratitude for all of you um, that are helping me do my best to share these teachings that I've been given by Spirit. So we are live today. If you have any questions about today's topic which is, what is PTSD, post-traumatic stress syndrome? So if you have any questions about that topic you can call in at 512- 772-1938 or you can Skype in from the co network.com site or simply email me at Christina at lastmaskcenter.com Dot org. All right. So um, I was inspired to do the show today because I happened to overhear or be part of several conversations all in a row um, in which people commented about having PTSD as the result of something that was significantly less frightening, life-threatening, and traumatizing than um, repeated sexual abuse or being in active duty in some war somewhere here on the planet or other type of sustained life-threatening situations. And in in other words, PTSD uh, had, had reached this sort of common vernacular to talk about any time – XYZ happens and we jump out of our body and don't feel good about it and this disturbs me. (laughs) So I thought I would do a show about it and explain why it disturbs me. And so the thing is post-traumatic stress disorder, cumbersome though that may be, is an issue of the soul, not of the mind. To define PTSD purely as a psychiatric disorder, which you will find alive and well all over the internet, is to miss the simplicity of what it actually is, as much as a mystery as it is to people who, who have been diagnosed with it and those who endeavor to help people with it. It's not a great mystery. Um, and the better we understand what's actually going on, the better we can alleviate the suffering right now for those who feel trapped in a post-traumatic stress response in their everyday life. When we understand that soul loss is involved in PTSD, that the, where there is PTSD, there is soul loss. That now is, not, I'm not saying that every moment of soul loss creates PTSD. I'm saying that in every situation... Of PTSD, there is soul loss. And so if we simply include shamanic healing and soul retrieval in particular as part of the complement of modalities prescribed to someone who is in this state, then we can bring healing to those who have been damaged by their experiences in these terrifying ordeals, in situations in which their life was threatened or in sustained situations that involve this sort of constant threat of physical harm. So, the important thing about this is that I would like to explore what PTSD is. Why it isn't just about getting triggered by unresolved issues from your past. That isn't PTSD. And why we as a culture must begin to encourage sufferers of PTSD, those who truly have this traumatic stress syndrome going on in their mind and heart and soul. to step beyond the boundaries of psychiatry and psychology. Not to to ignore them but to move in a parallel process beyond those boundaries into shamanism and to receive the soul retrieval work that can help them. Because this is critically important for their own healing but also for those around them because people with severe particularly war experience induced PTSD often in their erratic and scared behavior um, and their extreme emotional states scare others chronically. And so in other words, um a man or a woman with PTSD coming back from active service can potentially create PTSD then in their partners or their children. And so it just becomes this 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 sad uh, and excruciating cascade of problems and and the problem is persisting in our contemporary world largely because we refuse to acknowledge the soul loss inherent in this problem and get the remedy for soul loss which is soul retrieval it's very simple and the truth of the matter is it's hard to believe how simple it is because soul loss creates such trouble in our life it affects us mentally and spiritually and emotionally and physically. It over time the problems escalate and they get bigger and bigger and bigger. It is so hard for us to believe that the answer is so simple. Soul part lost, soul part found, soul part put back where soul part belongs. Integration happens. And the whole chain of events that was so traumatic in our life is stopped. If we refuse to acknowledge the soul loss inherent in PTSD and refuse to get the soul retrieval work appropriately, you know, right tool for the job, shamanic soul retrieval is the right tool for the job. And, you know, This is the beauty of those of you that work in the physical world, like you're a mechanic or a carpenter, you you build things, make things, work with things. You know what I'm saying. The right tool for the job makes the job almost effortless. The wrong tool for the job makes a big mess out of the job. It makes it harder than it needs to be at best. And at worst, it begins to destroy the very material you're trying to create something out of. This is exactly the same thing in our healing. The wrong tool for the job can make a mess out of things or it takes an enormous amount of energy and creates a degree of hopelessness and helplessness and feeling disempowered and getting depressed about things. The right tool for the job is priceless when it comes to our healing. And I'm not saying shamanic healing is the right tool for every job. And it's not what I'm saying. And those of you who have been listening to the show for years know that. What I am saying is that soul loss is inherent in PTSD and soul retrieval is the right tool for that job. Soul loss isn't the entirety of the issues of PTSD, but it is at the core of it. And if you will directly address the soul loss at the core of PTSD, you will be able to turn that whole syndrome around, and that which was spinning out of control can be brought back in to center, into balance, and into a sense of wholeness and well-being. So that's my point today. Uh, So why does it matter that people are claiming they have PTSD when they're really just reacting to unresolved issues with their mother why does that matter well let's look at depression it used to be nobody ever wanted to admit they had depression because it meant they were mentally ill and everybody was really um scared to admit that nobody nobody wanted anybody to know they were going to a therapist and frankly nobody even wanted to go to a therapist this is like in my lifetime when i was a kid and so now we've moved to a state where depression has become clinical depression depression has become so common and so co-opted that if we have a natural and ordinary day of depression, because let's say we lost our job, our cat got run over, and our kid just went out the door telling us they hate us. Depression is, you know, maybe an appropriate response that day. Sadness. You know, these low feelings of lethargy. Maybe you've overdone it for the last three months, and your body's finally calling it quits. It's just tired and lethargic we have developed no tolerance for these feelings as a true communication back to us from our inner self the sadness the depression the lethargy as a true communication that we are out of balance instead we go oh my god i'm depressed you know give me a pharmaceutical and so we've 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 confused a small d depression which would be a normal healthy response to sit the situation with, with an actually m- much more severe and intense version of that situation, which is a sense of chronic sustained depression we would call clinical depression. And so the problem with that, the problem with appropriating someone else's suffering when, it, when it's not really an accurate uh, assessment of the situation is that we start to lose compassion for the true depression. If my little depression, which is actually a healthy response to what's going on in the moment and will pass if I address it, um, is, is actually something I can deal with, then I actually start to lose compassion for your clinical depression. Why can't you deal with it? I'm dealing with my depression. Why can't you deal with own? They're not the same thing. And yet the more we normalize and appropriate the extreme state, the more we lose compassion for the path those in that extreme state need to walk. And the more we as practitioners misdiagnose and misrepresent that path to them. We misrepresent what we can do for them and we begin to make people feel wrong because they didn't quote unquote get better with what we offered them when we actually misdiagnosed the situation in the first place. So, let us be clear about the difference between an actual, you know, depression as part of the complement of emotions that people could potentially feel as a healthy response to a situation, as being something qualitatively different than what we were, we now call clinical depression. And let us also understand today, hopefully by the end of the show, the distinction between a range of human experiences which are all problematic and need to be dealt with but nonetheless they are simply a range of experiences that lead up to at the extreme end of that range PTSD so they are related they I mean it, it, it does make sense to draw the line between these different experiences and see them as degrees of, of um, extrem, extremis along a range. And to understand this very clearly, particularly because the growing number of soldiers returning with PTSD, um, people responding to sexual abuse with PTSD, I mean, the growing number of people who actually warrant this diagnosis and are, and are trapped in this syndrome need, to be, need, need our compassion, and they need to be guided and supported towards healthcare that will actually assist them in transforming this situation back or forward through through this situation to a renewed state of balance and wholeness and strength, confidence in themselves, confidence in their mind, confidence in their heart, and their ability to trust themselves, trust their perspective of reality, and their ability to function in the world in a good way okay so that's my sense of why it matters Um, one because we need to heal two because we need to offer healing to people and three because the problem is getting bigger because we're not really addressing it very well so let's look at this full spectrum okay because we live in a culture that does not initiate its young into adulthood it's teens into adulthood because of that fundamental failure culturally um, around much of the world not all of the world but much of the world so because of this we all move through our teens and into our adult life with unresolved issues from our childhood and so what happens is life being ever so generous and gracious gives us situations continuously that trigger our memory of those unresolved issues from our childhood. Because at the very source, at the beginning of every unresolved issue of our childhood is us, is a little piece of our energy still trapped back in that time, playing out that pattern. Now, these energies are not lost. They are all within us. They are held in our bodies. And we, when we deny these places of emotional, spiritual, and mental upset that are not resolved in a good way for us, when we deny these unresolved issues from our childhood, which are held in our bodies, so they are here with us in present time, but they're locked in a pastime. So when we perpetuate that state and don't deal with it effectively, it begins to become the deeper root of chronic health problems. And I did a big show about this, uh, referring to Gabor Mate's work, uh, uh, MD's work, about this emotional um, life, this immature emotional life that is underneath and at the root of much of our chronic and terminal illness. So this is not news. I'm just sort of drawing, connecting the dots here. Okay, so. So let's say I have an issue of abandonment with my father. And so what's going to happen in life is life is going to give me all of these opportunities to project that story of abandonment onto what's happened with the people in my current life. And I have a choice to either live in that projection and accuse all of these people of abandoning me and going into, back into this very familiar emotional state of, oh, my God, I've been abandoned again. Or I can recognize when I project that story onto others that I'm feeling seven or whatever age it is that this story is really lodged in at, that I'm not feeling my current age, that I'm actually feeling like a child and frankly acting like a child. I can notice that my reaction is an overreaction to what is actually going on, that people are sort of responding to me like, why are you being so intense about this? Why are you suddenly so angry with me? Why are you accusing me of abandoning you? I am right here. Or I can underreact. I can shut down, go quiet, go numb, pull back, and that is still um, an inappropriate response to whatever's actually happened. But it's me getting triggered into my unresolved issue from my childhood. I can choose to notice those responses, that overreaction, that underreaction, that shutting down and recognize this is me, current time me, projecting my unresolved childhood issue on this moment. Let me use this moment life has so generously given me and track that back to the me that's holding this story from the past and work to clear the pattern there with the me that I was. So current time me and past time me have to rearrange that relationship and have to resolve this. And so this is the heart of the clearing work that I teach and there are others who teach similar processes. I mean we we all we are beginning to figure out that this needs to happen. So the point of this is yes when we project our story onto others we are no longer in present time. at at, at a very um, subtle level that is nowhere near the traumatic level of disconnect that is part of PTSD. So getting triggered, even if it makes you leave your body or panic, by everyday life into your childhood patterns that you carry within you, for the most part, as long as it's not, we're not talking about soul loss, is not PTSD. It's actually life trying to teach you where you have abandoned yourself and where you need to go back and become accountable to yourself. And it's a beautiful practice. It's a beautiful healing process. It has absolutely nothing to do with PTSD, other than it is the most subtle version of how we are not able to be whole with ourselves in the moment. Okay. So, this whole clearing process can work with memories that are stories that we project onto the present moment. Many of these experiences lodge beliefs that we then carry, beliefs that we are not worthy, beliefs that we are unlovable, beliefs that we have to work hard and we'll still never get what we want, beliefs that someone will come and take care of us and that that would be a good thing, so we just have to be helpless, and then they'll come and get, you know, all of these kinds of beliefs that we set up. The, these are still in the same uh Range that we're talking about they can simply be emotional patterning there's no story there's no belief it's just in the constant setup of the family system you developed a patterned emotional response to the family system so whenever you life happens and you um, the natural response to the moment is a certain emotion let's say your family doesn't allow anger or your family is excessive about anger. So natural life, you go through the day, anger is the natural response. You're gonna dive into those uh, family patterns. So you're either gonna shut your anger down or totally overreact in your anger or totally panic because you're sure if someone's angry, You know, it's like an an anger-addicted parent stomping around. It's like you realize, oh my God, somebody's angry. Even if they're being totally appropriate with the anger, you're running for cover, right? So these are emotional patterns. It's not necessarily tied to a particular story. It's just emotional patterning that we've taken in as a habit for how to respond, and we project that onto reality no matter the facts. And in this kind of um, work... There are also simply artifacts, there are simply ways our own internal symbolic language will communicate up with us to help us understand how we have locked in a pattern of energy that we are now projecting on reality which is keeping us from tracking reality in present time, both time and space and actually experiencing what is going on in the moment. So this is, this is a very important issue of healing. Largely because if it's unaddressed over time, it is the fundamental ground in which chronic and terminal illness takes root. So, this this is a big deal, but it's not PTSD, right? Okay, so the important thing to understand is if you are triggered and thrown into the past, your unresolved past, then you begin to project that onto current reality your personal reality onto current reality, which means you are no longer in present time. And that's important because that whole dynamic in an extreme expression is actually what's going on in PTSD. So in other words, if we were doing our personal emotional clearing work, we would not only be cultivating great compassion for ourselves, but we would be cultivating enormous compassion for those people in a PTSD situation. We would also be cultivating within ourselves the capacity to hold space and not react to people in PTSD PTSD situation because the issue, one of the biggest issues with this syndrome is being able to trust others to be able to hold the space when they have completely lost connection with present time and they're flipping into violence and anger and rage and fear in extreme survival states it's very easy when someone goes into that state that it triggers everybody else around them but if you've been doing your clearing work you will have the ability to see what is going on to see it for what it is and to hold space in that Moment in a good way not in an overbearing everything is all about love and light come here let me give you a hug way but in a way of true warriorship of holding the space for whatever it is that needs to happen for the healing to transpire okay so what did shamanic people do instead of this current contemporary situation I have just described which describes all of us except for a few indigenous people that are smart enough not to get into this situation. What did they do? They initiated their teens. We don't do that. So what do we need to do? A, we need to start doing our clearing work. We all need a skill that allows us to do emotional clearing. And B, we need to do deep enough personal work that we can become initiated ourselves into adulthood so that we are able to be emotional adults, which means we don't check out and we don't overreact that we feel and engage with our emotions in a responsible way. We need to do this so that we can begin to initiate our kids so that they are not stuck with the same burden of being a great big baby in a grown-up body that we are. So this is what shamanic people did. They made a big deal, a big point about initiating their teens into adulthood, being very clear about what the standards were for being adult. And so this is what we can begin to create for ourselves. We're not lost just because our parents didn't initiate us. We can begin to do the clearing work necessary to begin to come to a mature and healthy place within ourselves. Now, the next level that we dissociate or disconnect from ourselves is marginalizing ourselves. These selves are still present with us. We just tend to ignore them because we're not sure they're really acceptable. Right, but it is a, a way that we disconnect the next level of disconnection we do is creating shadow selves, and these are now inaccessible to us, but present with us energetically they are in our sphere of influence they are cut but they are cut off from us that 's the distinction between a marginalized self and a shadow self and there are other shows about this i 'm not going to go into it further today because today 's about PTSD. At the extreme edges of our sphere of influence, which means our energy being with us in time and space, is this dissociated selves. And now we're starting to talk about something that is still present. We can still connect with that, but we tend to get truly out of our body in that dissociation. The very next step from there is soul loss. Okay, so however... Unresolved childhood patterns, marginalized selves, shadow selves and diso- dissociated selves are not soul loss and they, they in and of themselves are not at the core of PTSD and we need to be sure we're clear about that and we can uh, diagnose it clearly and know how to address where the energy is and how to work with it. However, by the time we start talking about something that is panicked enough to go into dis- dis- dissociation zone – in other words, to leave the body, but stay close enough to still watch what's going on. Okay, once we do that, now we're beginning close to soul loss territory. And once we get into soul loss territory, we are potentially getting into post-traumatic stress territory. But just remember, every soul loss does not necessarily cause PTSD. But whenever we see the syndrome of PTSD... We have soul loss. Okay, so what is soul loss? Soul loss is when this this part of ourself we are disconnected from. You know, the early, the s- most subtle version is just a part of ourself that's stuck around a memory we haven't really resolved, and we've just hidden it because it was too painful to deal with at the time. Soul loss involves a much higher state of fear. It's about fear for our life. It can be fear for our physical life, it can be fear for our emotional life it can be fear for our mental life or fear for our spiritual life. In other words and a, a common example of fear for my spiritual life is I'm a kid, I've been talking to Jesus because everybody told me that Jesus was good and I should talk to Jesus and listen to what Jesus has to say so I've been talking to Jesus my whole lifetime and I finally get to that place in Sunday school where they tell me I'm not supposed to talk to Jesus only the priest can and now I have to make a decision. Do I keep hanging out with Jesus? Or do I do what the grown ups are telling me? Well, the grown ups have the love and the food, so if I don't do it right and I'm not a good kid, well, then I'm also maybe a sinner, and then I don't get the love because I'll be bad, and I and I don't get the food. You know, so there's this this conflict around the kids' spiritual life right there. That's that's a conflict around spiritual life. Mentally it can be when a child has a certain idea about the world so for example they come into the world really feeling a rich and robust relationship with spirit a lot of kids have a really strong shamanic life when they're out playing imaginary games out in nature out in the yard just in their in their own imaginary life and then people start telling them sit down stop talking to your imaginary friends be quiet pay attention um there isn't anything else there. There is no spirit world. There is no invisible world. Your imaginary friends are fake. Santa Claus is a fake. The Easter Bunny is a fake. As we, as we cut them off from this, we don't realize this is an experience that they are having that we are invalidating. And in invalidating it, we're cutting them off from their own shaping of their view of the world and limiting them with our somewhat paraplegic view of the world. An example of um, emotional trauma is a very common one is a child who does not feel that their parent is capable of protecting them in the situations that they're getting into in life, potentially because the parent is the threat. It's a huge emotional trauma when the agreement between parent and child is broken by the parent the the natural innate agreement, the archetypal agreement between parent and child is terrifying. So when children or when children are simply told that they're not feeling what they're feeling, their feelings are unacceptable, their feelings are wrong. um, These these can be, if these happen uh, often enough in a sustained enough way in a family or in a school or in a church or in the culture or the event itself is traumatic enough, is um, intense enough, violent enough, extreme enough in the perception of the person having it, then it can potentially create soul loss, okay, and so what happens is the part of the self then leaves space and time, the part that we can't handle, can't deal with, oh my God, if this happens another moment, I'm going to die, that part leaves, and if we do soul loss really well, it leaves entirely and we forget about it. We adapt, we fill the hole that was made when they left, we try to fill it with energy, we begin to protective behavior to protect it, and we often begin some kinds of addictive behavior to try to fill it, which is not necessarily substance abuse. It can be any kind of addictive, repetitious behavior. So the important thing to understand about soul loss is not every disconnection from ourself, as I talked about earlier in the show, is actually soul loss. But soul loss does happen and we need to understand this, it is real, it does happen that relative to our sense of wholeness it is true that our soul can fragment. And so that aspect of our soul becomes unavailable to us with all the gifts and the wisdom that it carries, the energy that it carries, becomes unavailable to us in present time. It leaves a hole at the core of our energy field, which we will now begin leaking energy out of. We will do our best to develop habitual behaviors to try to deal with that hole, but the bottom line is we will leak energy. And as a result of our soul loss and how that has shifted our energy body away from wholeness, we will now begin to see the world in a way that is tainted by that energetic change. And so as you can, for those of you that actually have PTSD and are listening, you, you can see that we're moving closer to your experience when we start talking about soul loss. But again, not every experience of soul loss creates PTSD. It's important to understand that. Okay. Now, as I said, there are other things that are not soul loss. However, there are some things that are energy loss which would mean losing some other facet of your energy body like third chakra energy or something like that. That is not soul loss and that's important. As in, that is important just like soul retrieval, it's important to have energy retrieval. There's also what is often called power retrievals and power loss which is a way we describe what happens when people lose the connection to their helping spirits. Um, because from a shamanic perspective, our, our protection and our guidance and wisdom in life is largely supported through our, the co-creation of our life with our helping spirits. And that everybody has helping spirits and it's important to stay connected. And so there is soul loss, there is energy loss, and there is power loss. Um, energy loss and power loss do not normally result in PTSD. PTSD. However, all three of these things can be solved in precisely the same way, and it is exceedingly simple because it is the correct tool for the job. In a single soul retrieval session, yes, ladies and gentlemen, one session with a competent shaman, soul parts can be found and brought back. And I know it is so hard to believe that something that has been such a chronic and devastating problem and has caused so many other problems in your life can be solved so simply. But this is what we must get a grip on. And people that don't even want to know shamanism exists and don't even want to believe in shamanism, that is fine. You don't have to. Get your soul retrievals anyway. Your practitioner needs to believe in it so that they can perform a correct and proper um, effective soul retrieval. Your job is just to talk with yourself when it comes back and do the integration. You don't have to buy into the whole shamanic perspective. But you need to repair your soul loss, particularly if it is at the root of your PTSD. I don't care what you believe in terms of God or religion or Shamanism is crazy, woo-woo, whatever. I don't care what you believe. PTSD damages you and everyone around you, as does soul loss, actually. Get your soul retrievals. Fix yourself. Get whole and bring your gifts to the world. Don't argue that you can't get your soul retrieval work just because you don't believe in shamanism. You don't have to believe in shamanism. I do. The practitioner does. And that's all that matters. All you have to then believe in is the part of you that comes back or parts of you that comes back. And to develop that inner relation commu- relationship, communicate with them in the same way you all communicate with your inner critic every day. People act like it's such a travesty, a great drama, such a task to talk to their soul parts. It's not. Everybody talks to themselves every day. Once the soul parts are back, you just talk to yourself and you do the integration. So my point is you don't have to buy the entire cow to get your glass of milk. You don't have to buy into all of shamanism to get your soul retrieval. It is extremely simple fix for an extremely damaging problem and your attitude isn't a good enough excuse to stay stuck in soul loss or PTSD for that matter, just because you don't want to believe in shamanism. Soul loss is real. The healing is simple. The repair, the repair I should say, is simple. And then the healing is on your hands and needs to be done. But this whole whining and not wanting to believe in it is real and then continuing to create damage for yourself and others is unacceptable. And that is my point. Well, I guess it's another point. I didn't know I was going to be making today, but there, I just made it. (laughs) So (laughs) the important thing to understand is soul retrieval with a competent shaman is a simple solution to a hugely damaging problem. And at this point in time, culturally, I don't care about your politics or your religion or your anything else. We all live here together. We are all damaged by each other's behavior or made more whole by each other's behavior. So it's not your choice to not heal is my point, particularly PTSD and it is not – and we as people, if you're listening to the show, you've at least got some leaning into the shamanic realm. It is our responsibility to normalize shamanic healing as a simple and logical course in our path of healing. Okay, so not every soul loss results in PTSD all PTSD involves soul loss so this is another reason we really need to stop this trend of referring to every trigger as a PTSD event it is not we need to reserve this term so that it remains meaningful to describe a relatively extreme state of soul loss caused by very literal and sometimes sustained fear for our own actual survival. Okay, so I wasn't able to find writings on PTSD um, by anything other than soldiers, but PTSD can certainly come from any kind of sustained violence, be that child abuse in the home, incest, sexual abuse, sexual abuse in relationships, abusive partners, so anything where your life is chronically threatened. ...can potentially create a level of soul loss that will, will ri- ri- rise to the state of PTSD. But just to make a point, I am actually going to read some things I found on the internet from vets. So this is from a soldier who fought in Iraq. Describing his, P- his or her PTSD, I wasn't sure. It really hits you right in the gut and you feel very afraid. The sudden, horrible knowledge just strikes home for an instant. All you can feel is this often awful certainty of tragedy. You start to expect the same things you saw back in the day, and then it's over. Sometimes it's a minute, sometimes it's a few, but that's what it feels like. What triggers it honestly, what really triggers it is the inconsequential things that were going on when You were feeling that horrible stress. The ones that really get me are temperature, smells, and light. I got hit outside of Mosul around this time of year. So as a result, clear winter sunset tends to set me off pretty bad. Combine that with a chill wind and the smell of dust and bam, almost instant flashback. I try to control it when it happens. Once again, it's getting better but it's still something I try to minimize. I try not to go out close to sunset just because I know the combination of sensations it sets off in my brain. So there it is. There's a whole mess of different ways that people feel and I'm not pretending to speak for everyone who's got PTSD. I'm just saying how I feel when it hits. Next person. PTSD, for me, is continuously scanning and evaluating multiple sounds near and far, day and night, awake or asleep, for anything that might be a threat. Deep exhaustion. Waking up at night in a state of alarm, soaked with sweat from intense dreams with thick, clammy atmospheres that stay with me through the next day. In a permanent state of alarm, like being trapped in a netherworld or a spider's web where normal social functioning has become a distant memory. Next person. PTSD is a completely life-shattering event, one which would leave me stranded between life and death, somewhere resembling a no-man's land. It has far wider implications and complexities than any textbook definition or clinical classification can grasp or stranger-looking in could possibly understand. I liken it to a creeping ivy, which is slow to take its hold in the beginning, but with time invades every aspect of your life left to its own devices and in time it flourishes and can outcompete its host which is left stranded and slowly diminishes if left unmanaged it can become quite overwhelming by then you are well and truly under its control before you know it your life is totally eclipsed and all that remains is an exterior shell whereby you coexist but you cease to live Next person, PTSD is like having a wound that is always open and that certain situation can possibly make worse. I don't want to get back into the game. Oh, you don't want to get back in the game because you feel so vulnerable. You feel your psyche being drained by social situations. You feel your soul being dimmed and your spirit being lost. Emotionally, physically, mentally, and spiritually, if you're lucky, you can... Uh, mentally, spirit. if you're lucky... You can have intense feelings. Other results may be you feel like you are dead. You usually feel weak like a coward because you can't function. And when you do, you feel like a hurt animal waiting to to be picked off for good. So these statements, a shell whereby you coexist but you cease to live, a wound that is always open, you feel your soul being dimmed, You feel your psyche being drained. You feel your spirit being lost. These phrases all describe the feeling of soul loss. Actually, typical soul loss. The issue here is the fact that these feelings are combined with this extreme shove out of the present moment and into the past moment. The soul part is actually still in. And this is the most important thing to understand. And I hope it's the thing that will motivate people in a state of PTSD to get their soul retrievals. The reason you are remembering the past is because part of you is still in it, suffering it continuously. And as a shaman, my job would be to go back to that past for you on your behalf and to bring you out of that past and put you back in your body where you belong. That's actually the effort of true soul retrieval work. And I have never been physically in my present time life on a battlefield. But I have been there many times for the purpose of retrieving someone else's soul. And these soldiers have always apologized for my having to go back there. But that's that's the nature of the work. That is what I signed on for. And because I'm not there physically, I know I won't be harmed. And while I appreciate the apology, it is unnecessary. This is what it means to be called to soul retrieval work. To go into those places of great human suffering, fear, and the worst of human behavior, actually... And to find the self that is there and bring it out again safely. That is the nature of the work. That is what we sign on to do when we sign on to do soul retrieval work. And so this is why I say, you know, every PTSD has soul loss at its core. Because this, these feelings of this drain, of this leaking, of this loss, of this inability to be in your present life is because there are literally parts of your soul not in this life. And it's actually relatively simple for someone else trained to do soul retrieval work to go back and find you and bring you home. Now, the truth is, and there are many vets that have spoken with me about this, not every shamanic practitioner today is prepared to handle that PTSD level soul loss. And so what questions could you ask a practitioner if you're going to go get your soul retrieval because you listen to the show and you said, all right, Christina, I'm going to go get my soul retrievals. So what should you ask the practitioner? Well, one of the first thing you have to ask is, is how they deal with violence. If they're the kind of person that cannot watch violence on TV or movies, you know, doesn't want to have anything to do with violence in their life, they can't do your soul retrieval work for you. Not this level of, not PTSD level soul retrieval work. They may not rush out to every violent movie that's there, but if they're the kind of person that says, oh, I can't watch it at all, they can't experience yours either. Ask them what type of emotional clearing work they do themselves. Because if they do clearing work themselves, they will be able to remain relatively untriggered as they dive into your deep and extreme emotions that are associated with this this time of trauma. You also want to ask them what kind of follow-up or support they offer for you. Are they willing to work with you to help you to integrate your soul parts? And if you're dealing with PTSD, your shamanic healer should not be your only person in your support network and that would be the other thing you would ask them is are they willing to work with your support network to help you to integrate the parts that come back and potentially even to educate your other healthcare providers to understand what soul loss is and what soul retrieval and integration is and how these other practitioners could support you in doing that and so you want a shamanic healer that's got the balls frankly to go do the work can handle what they're going to find there without reacting to it themselves, can interpret it accurately for you because you've already been traumatized enough by it. You don't need somebody completely misrepresenting it. But you also need someone willing to work with your team, work with everybody that is supporting you in your healing. You don't want someone who's all, I'm a new age healer, I don't talk to anybody else. You need someone who's willing to be with your therapist and educate your therapist and your doctors and everybody else and help you to restore your own integrity at your soul level. And from that place, all of your other healing modalities will be that much more effective and that much more able to successfully accomplish what the other healing modalities are trying to accomplish. So I've run out of time. I'm just going to mention that i did put a link on my facebook page for the for the show the radio show facebook page um of a show done by lisa ling this is called this is life with lisa ling it's a cnn show so it's pretty highly produced but the point of the show was taking a group of veterans in search of a treatment for post-traumatic stress disorder um into the amazon and to work with ayahuasca which is an interesting um opportunity to look at that exploration there are no final answers but for those of you that need to understand this it's a good resource that is out there and the link is on the facebook page for um why shamanism now so i want to give thanks to the ancestral helping spirits and the spirits of nature who hang around us and help us in every day i give thanks to the earth below and the sky above and the heart that unites us all thank you everyone have a great week